Praise God. Let's give that hand to Jesus. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Father God. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's the one who is worthy. That's right. My, it's a great privilege of ours to be with you again. We enjoyed our camp meeting last summer so much, and, and we were just looking forward to being back with you and fellowshipping with the good brethren and having a good time feasting on the good things of God in these services. Praise the Lord. We appreciate the invitation to, to come and, uh, and share in these services with you. We really do. And uh, Sister Enzi is all geared up, and she'll be speaking to the ladies, I think. And uh, we'll just have a good time here. I'm very honored to be with, teamed up with two good men here, Brother Vaughn Morton and my good friend from Michigan. Known him for a long, long time. Brother Charles Grisham has been here before, hasn't he? A couple of times and blessed you, so you're not you're, you know what you're in for there. Here's a couple of Clydesdales. I mean, these guys can pull their freight, and I'm just really, really honored to be teamed up with both of them. God bless them, and good to see some friends here from uh, the area here, right here in Mariana. Local pastor, Brother Biggs, and his good wife, and some folks from their church. Uh, TBC alumnus, and of course, Brother Patterson from Dothan. Good to see him, his son-in-law, Brother Harrelson. God bless them. And all of you, praise God. Isn't it good to be in the presence of the Lord? Fellowshipping again, like just like we are tonight. Amen, amen, amen. Well, let's uh, go to the Word of the Lord. We could... Um, reminisce a while and talk about stuff, but it's so important the time we spend in the house of God, not one moment can be wasted. We need every moment in prayer, in worship, in fellowship, we need it today because we need the strength that it gives, that it that it brings to our hearts. We've got to have it. We're, we're looking at a new millennium. I don't know whether we'll make it that far or not. In my heart of hearts, I feel like the Lord is going to come and, and we're not going to get very far into this millennium if we even make it that far. I don't know what your prophecy convictions are, but... Uh, I just feel like that maybe this be a good time for the Lord to come. Wind this thing up. 6,000 years of history. And let this 7,000, this seven, seventh thousand year period be the millennial reign here on this earth. That would suit me just fine. I don't know if that's what's going to happen or not. But this is a generation, a 
upon whom the ends of the earth have come. And we're going to see the rapture. I think there will be those standing right here that in this room right now who are going to see the rapture take place and be a part of that. So, with that in mind, uh, we just we just have to make every moment count. And that's why you've come here. That's why you've taken time out of your busy schedule. It's because you know you need fellowship. And you know you need one another. And you know you need to talk about God. And talk about the work of God. And talk about His blessing. And talk about the revival that's, that's happening among us. Oh, we get to thinking sometimes. We get off in a cave by ourselves, you know, and... We get to thinking not a lot of things are happening, but really good things are happening today. God is at work in the earth. And I believe that it's winding up. And I'm not here to add one cubit to your stature. I don't believe any instruction that I could give uh, could do that. But uh, I've prayed about this meeting. And I've asked God to let there be an encouragement to every one of our hearts. If we could leave here with our spirits lifted, if we could leave here with faith on the throne in our hearts, if we could leave here with a greater determination to enjoy these last few months or years in the work of God while, while we have this opportunity, then I would consider my mission accomplished and uh, I want to just flow with the Holy Ghost here and let the Lord do exactly what he wants to do amen the Holy Ghost can do more in five minutes than we can do in five months five years that's right that's right I'm hungry to see a move of God I'm hungry to see revival continue and uh, I pray that these services will contribute to that end. I'm going to be reading from the book of Ephesians, just a couple of scriptures there, and I'll let you be seated. Hallelujah. Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22. You have it? Say amen. amen. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Hmm. Isn't that good? Gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And if we were to read the words of the Lord to Zerubbabel in Zechariah 4 and 6, it would say, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. 
We all want to know how to better get the work of God done in this end time. We're all preachers here, preachers, wives, families, I assume. So that is our purpose. That's why we're drawing our breath tonight. That's what we're doing here. So I hope this contributes to that end. Let me just call this a message from the mind to the body. A message from the mind to the body. And there's two points before we pray that I want to try to make tonight. And that is, number one, that success in the work of God is not accomplished by our own strength. That we need the leadership of the Holy Ghost more than we ever have before. And number two, that the church is not just another doctrine parroting denomination but is a living entity, an extension of Christ himself. The body of Christ. Praise God. A message from the mind to the body. Let's ask the Lord to minister to us. Jesus, God, touch our minds tonight. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. our lives by your spirit between the words and the lines that are said let the Holy Ghost do us some encouraging here lift us up God put us together in unity for the cause of Christ in Jesus name in Jesus name everybody said amen thank you you may be seated thine own way. A few years ago, I visited the room of a man whose name was David Lively. He was in the Four Seasons Rest Home in Hearst, Texas. David uh, was a young man, actually, in his 30s. He was, uh, had been a test pilot for a number of years for Bell Helicopter, who was headquartered, which is headquartered there in the Dallas area. And uh, he sang in a quartet at the Methodist Church. He had a nice family, had three daughters. He was in the Cobra Helicopter program, and he was testing one of these Cobra Helicopters one day, and it crashed there at the test site, at the plant site, on the runway. And David was severely injured. And they knew that it was serious, but they didn't know how serious. Evidently for a few minutes before they could get to him, he was uh, without oxygen or wasn't breathing. They got him to breathing again. But they could tell that he was uh, severely injured, 
and perhaps irreparably. And sure enough, he was. They found that his body basically was paralyzed, totally. And as I as I visited with him there, I didn't. I talked to him, but I had no no response from him. But as I was in the room, and I visited with the nurse, twenty four hours a day. Nurses there three three shifts. Someone with him at all times. There is no response from David. He's totally paralyzed. But they said that they hooked up some wires and and electrodes and and uh, to gauges and machines. I don't know what all. And <clears throat> they made a discovery that David's brain was functioning and that David was aware of things he couldn't respond he couldn't speak he couldn't move his hand he couldn't move his feet he couldn't move his body but they said he knows when his wife comes in when they had him hooked up to these wires and machines that the needles would would kind of move and, and actually go wild and and but she didn't get any response out of him either other than this he knew but he couldn't make his body respond he would love to have said Doris please don't go wait uh, how are the kids uh, he couldn't kiss her he couldn't hold her hand he couldn't tell her that he loved her Nothing he could do would make his body do what he wanted to. He was paralyzed in a very serious kind of paralysis. But his mind, they said, was okay. His brain was okay. But somehow it had lost connection to the body. And so the body was not responding to the brain. Now that would be a terrible thing, wouldn't it? I would rather most anything happen to me than that. But now let's think of something else for just a moment. Everything has its beginning in thought. That's where it starts. Thought produces action. God has always been the eternal thinker himself. The master planner. In the beginning was the logos or the word. The thought, the intellect, the mind, the plan of God. This, this word, this term seems to incorporate all of the attributes of God and implies a super coordination of them. All that God is. And they work in, in harmony, all of these attributes of God, to express Himself. In creation, God thought about the heavens and the Milky Way appeared he thought about this world and it appeared in its place this galaxy the Sun the moon the stars that we can see all that we know and see out there God thought about those things and as he thought about them somehow the creative word caused them to be he thought it he said it it happened it was there it appeared that's the creative power of God. 
He turned his attention to this world, I believe. He made it like no other. There's none other heavenly body that they have found like this world. I know, it, and I'm, I don't want to cross your, your uh, <clears throat> ideas about the universe, if there's life out there. But for me, it's all right here. If you hold that there's life out there and that there's all kinds of aliens and beings and if, and if you believe all of these reports about people being uh, uh, taken up into these spacecraft and, and <laughs> uh, that's fine. It's no problem. I have preacher friends who have seen UFOs. They have. They said they have. I, I, you know, who am I to say they didn't see it? I don't know. I wasn't there. But I don't think there's aliens, and I don't think there's life on Mars or any other planet out there. I believe God focused His attention on this world. We have no record of anything else. Some some seem to find a little record in there somewhere, but I, that's okay. But I don't personally. I don't think there's anybody else out there. I'm not expecting any aliens to uh, to come down and and uh, and take us up into their spacecraft. So God turned his attention to this world. And here on this earth and out of the mud of this earth, the dirt of this world, he made a man. He thought about a man. And his thought became actions. And he created this man. I believe it was his crowning creation. He made him in the likeness of a future Adam. And from this man he took a rib and made a woman. And this man and this woman sinned. They disobeyed God. And so God had to break fellowship with them. His thoughts turned to redemption. This thought produced Jesus Christ. Who was the Logos in person. The Son of God. A body for God. To work through. A body hast thou prepared me. He said. It's not a second God but a physical manifestation of God. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Now there's a lot of things about the Incarnation that I don't understand. I've been preaching the Incarnation and trying to explain the Godhead for 42 years and I hadn't got it explained yet. <clears throat> Some might say, well now Jesus was more than just a robot. He was more than just a, a piece of flesh operated by the spirit however you see that i don't i don't really know there's some there's some mystery yet as much as you have been revealed uh as much as has been revealed to each of you concerning god himself and the godhead there's still an element of mystery about it isn't there he was like us but yet he wasn't like us this world does not produce men like Jesus Christ. I mean, He is unique. Nobody else who among us had a virgin birth. How all of that flesh and spirit, how it worked together was a marvelous thing to see. But Jesus Himself said, It's not I that doeth the work, it's my Father that dwells in me. He doeth the works. And yet sometimes he didn't even take time to explain that. He just did things. He did things that, that could be done only by God. 
Well, he said, uh, thy sins be forgiven thee. Oh, he said, which is easier, to say that or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? It didn't matter to him. He could say it all. He could speak to the winds, the waves. He could speak to the elements. All obeyed his voice. God in flesh. Hard for us to comprehend. Our finite minds to totally understand that. Oh, Brother Yaden told me one time, and maybe he was quoting some other of our elders, but he said, there will always be just a little element of mystery about the Godhead. Oh, we think we might know all about it, but it's, it's difficult to totally explain, to totally understand, to totally grasp. It's almost unfathomable. But he was the flesh presence of God. Okay? He was the only body God had. God worked through that body. God was the spirit, the power. God was the person. God was the was the individual say well he was a man too he was totally man he had human spirit human soul all that uh, fine but there was an element there that was unlike any other man some say could Jesus have sinned well moot question he didn't sin <clears throat> he wouldn't have been our savior if he had sinned he couldn't have fulfilled the scriptures if he had sin. He could not have been our Savior if he had sinned. So Jesus said, it's not me that's doing this, but he said, it's my Father who dwells in me. So he is mind, I am body. That's why he came ultimately to say, not my will, but thine be done. He had a will. And he subjected that will and submitted that will to God in him. You know, when God thought about the Gadarene, God thought about that man. God saw that man over there. God saw that man in the tombs. And here goes Jesus saying to his disciples, let's go across the sea. And they sailed across the sea through the storm, through the night, through the darkness, and onto the shore of Gadara. And here comes this man out of the tombs. Jesus went just to touch and heal and deliver this man. That's all he got done over there. But you see, God saw this man, the mind of God, the body of God, responded. And went to where he was. And cast the devils out. They didn't want him to stay, so he didn't stay. He doesn't stay where he's not wanted, so he left. He went to Simon's mother-in-law. He went to Jairus' daughter. He went because God knew the need. The Spirit knew and saw and the body went. The body was subject to the Spirit. Whatever the divine mind directed him to do, whatever the divine mind willed for him to do, the body obeyed. Finally, that body went to the cross to purchase our own salvation. So we see that his time on earth was limited. 
So God's mind designed another body. Since that body was taken up and away, you know, who else but Jesus could say, I'm going away, but I'm never going to leave you. That's amazing, isn't it? He's the only one could ever say, I came, but I was already here. <laughs> He's just a unique. So he went away, but he said, I'm coming again, but he did go away. Now, God needs a body. The Spirit needs a body to work through. The Spirit needed a body to minister through, to work through, to love through, to minister through. And so he designed another kind of body. The church of the living God. Hallelujah. It was going to be a continuation, actually, of his own ministry. In Acts 1 and 1, the scripture says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Until he was taken up, and so forth. In other words, Jesus began to do and to teach. Now this record that will follow, that we know as the book of Acts, now this record... Luke was saying, <clears throat> is what he is continuing to do through his body, by his spirit. The body, that's you and I, the body of Christ, the church of the living God, a living entity. God's church is so arranged that we read here in this scripture. So designed by the Spirit that Christ is the head and the Spirit-filled people are His body. This was so God's thoughts could reach His body. You see, the mind is not the brain. Now, in us. Let's look at this for just a moment. That's why several doctors have said, and I have them quoted and footnoted in a little paper that we've done that there's no such thing as mental illness there's such a thing as brain your brain can get out of whack but that's physical the mind is something else the mind is spirit the brain is the channel through which the mind operates it sends messages this brain here is something physical it's something organic the mind is something beyond that the renewed mind has nothing to do with it it has nothing to do with intellect or intelligence the mind is not intelligence I mean it has nothing to do with a high IQ score a renewed mind has nothing to do with how much you made on a SAT test So, even in us, the mind wills through the brain, which sends electrical currents through our nerves to our muscles and causes us to move. Reach over there and take hold of that pulpit. You know how many, how many things had to happen for that to, to do that? First, there had to be a will. 
Something had to will that that, that hand should go over there and take over the pulpit. And then that message got to the brain, what sent an electrical current through nerves and into the muscles, and the hand goes over. And we take it for granted, don't we? But a lot of stuff went on, see. Wouldn't, now, wouldn't it be awful if, if you will, reach over there and touch the pulpit. Go ahead. Go on, touch it. your hand doesn't obey. Wouldn't that be an awful thing? Be an awful feeling. That would be an awful feeling. <clears throat> I wonder how God feels sometimes. I wonder just how God feels sometimes. When He is the head, Christ is the head of the body. He is the head. But the body has to do the work. The head can't do the work. The body has to carry it out. David could perhaps think, he could perhaps sense, and, and he could perhaps know, he could perhaps understand, but he couldn't make his body obey. He couldn't make his body perform his will. Now that is a horrible thing. God, as we read in the book of Acts, led this early church in such a marvelous way. God thought about Cornelius. God heard him. He said his prayers have come up before me as a memorial. God wanted somebody to go down there and preach to Cornelius. So the mind willed that Cornelius received this message. And the body responded. Here goes Peter. Nothing doubting. <laughs> the mind said go. The spirit he said bade him go. The Spirit said go, and so the body went. Now that's the way it's supposed to operate. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it works. The mind wills it, and the body obeys. God thought about that Ethiopian eunuch. Saw him in that chariot reading Isaiah. Just gets Philip some way. I don't know how he got down there. But he got down there some supernatural way, evidently. Whoosh! All of a sudden, he's running along beside the chair. Hey! Understand us what thou readest? Well, I don't know. I, it's a mystery to me. <laughs> he said, well, let me tell you about it. So he said, just come on up here in the chariot. And so he, and the first news you know, they're stopping to get him baptized. See, that's the way, that's the way the body is supposed to respond to the Spirit, to the will of God. The message comes from the mind of God, the head of the church, the head. But the body has to respond. The body has to obey. The body has to do it. He thought about the Macedonians, Paul, was thinking about some other folks. Paul was going over here to preach. God said, in a vision, come over to Macedonia and help us. Okay. And here he goes. Now that's the way it's supposed to work, folks. That's the way it's supposed to work. God knows the need. God knows where the hungry hearts are. God knows where open hearts are. 
You know, we really don't know how to have revival. We really don't know how to, how to get the work of God done in our own city. We don't know how it's all going to happen. But somehow, I know it's going to happen like this. And that is not by might and not by power, but by my spirit. Saith the Lord. There's got to be some kind of coordination. The Holy Ghost said, now look how they trusted the leadership of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Paul. We're on to the work I have called them. So, now, you, do you think they said, now wait a minute now. Here, here, here was the Holy Ghost. He did the motion, seconded it, and did the voting, and that was all. And, 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 and nobody else was involved. Until they got ready to lay hands on them and send them forth. To do the work. The Holy Ghost said, now that's all the church needed. They didn't stand up and say, now whoa, wait a minute now. I don't think these fellows have even got a, a degree in counseling. How are they going to get anything done? I don't think they've even got any music. I don't think they play music. You play a guitar, Paul? No, I don't. You play keyboard, Silas? I don't know. I don't know. Keyboard. Got any praise singers? <laughs> no. No, that wasn't what they were looking for back then. They, that didn't come up in this meeting. The Holy Ghost said, separate me, boy, and send them forth. Okay. And the body responded. And they went and got the work of God done. In the power of the Spirit. And God got the glory. Now that's the way it's supposed to work. The body responding to the Spirit. <laughs> My Lord. You know, a little bit of, uh, of obedience goes a long ways. You look at the Old Testament record. Joshua was told to march around the city. It looked kind of stupid, but it, it worked. There are some things that look stupid that will work pretty good. God knows. March around the city. They march around the city. Seven times on the seventh day. All of that. 300 men, Gideon. Looked kind of silly the way they, they were going down there with 300 men against how many thousands. Looked kind of stupid, didn't it? It was. Except God knows. He knows how the end from the beginning, see? So, you know, if, if we could learn to just trust God... It's not easy to do. It's not easy for me to do. Here I'm saying this, but it's not easy for me to do sometimes. Because we don't, any of us, none of us want to look foolish, do we? None of us want to look like a bunch of raving idiots. What are they doing out there marching around? What are they doing out there digging trenches in the valley? What are they doing out there doing that stuff? What's Elisha on this boy for, you know, stretching himself seven times and... and you know, it just looks kind of stupid sometimes. Oh, but if we could learn to just trust God, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit. If the body could learn to just respond, if the body could learn to just move with the Spirit, even when we don't understand it, even when we don't know why, we don't know how, we don't know when, but just know to do it. And to know that all things work together for good. And all things are going to ultimately fall out for the furtherance of the gospel. If we could grasp and understand that. But I have done it, and you have done it. We're afraid many times that we're going to look foolish. And so we quench the Spirit. 
Haven't you ever done it? <laughs> Didn't you feel bad afterwards? I've done it. I've quenched the Spirit. More than once. I'm trying to learn not to do that. I'm trying to learn to go ahead and, and do it regardless of how, of how it looks. Or You know, I don't know that God's going to just... You know, make us out to be a bunch of uh, raving fools. He's going to work it out to where they'll see that it was God. But uh, but so many times we just quench the spirit because we're afraid. We're afraid of looking foolish in the eyes of the world. We're afraid of of embarrassing ourselves. Lord have mercy, we've all done that. I, I'm sure. That brother Goder, I heard him tell it the other day, not not long ago. He said. Uh, Needed loan to build this new church. Just getting started there. Needed a building. When he went there, just virtually nothing and had a little building. So he needed a new building. <clears throat> Goes to this bank. He's standing on, on the corner in front of this bank. And the Lord tells him, go in there and tell that banker that God has told him, told you to tell him that he's supposed to give you a loan. Oh, <laughs> he said, I... He stood there and fussed with the Lord for a while. Finally, he said, I just went ahead and did it. Went in there, sat down in front of that banker and said, <clears throat> I want a loan. Okay, no problem. Uh, uh, how many members do you have? Well, <laughs> I don't have any right now. Maybe how much money you got in the building fund? <laughs> we don't have any money. Oh. But he said, God told me to come in here and tell you that you were supposed to give us a loan. And this guy said, he did. Upshot, you know what? He got the loan. With no membership list, no more money in the in the building fund. And today he don't need he don't need I mean he can loan the banker a little money probably. I mean that's the way it is if you understand what I'm saying. But he just overcame the foolishness of it. The way it looked. And went on and did it. And God respected that. Remember Brother Coleman up in Chicago? Uh, on Madison Avenue. I've been up there a few times and preached for him. Most amazing man I've ever seen just about. Brother Coleman. I, I wasn't called to, to, to the skid row. It's not my burden. It's not my... I mean, I, it's, I'm not eating up with that, okay? But he was. Oh, he was eating up with it. He would walk down the streets, and, and he learned them all by name. Hey, John, how you doing there today? Oh, uh, hell, Peter, uh, Joe, uh, John, whatever. You know, just call them by name. Here's an old guy sitting up against the bed building. He's, he's wino, evidently. He's got an old piece of tape that he found somewhere and a piece of wire, like a paper clip. And he's wired that, he stuck that wire in his eyelid. And that tape up here so it'd hold his eyelid open. <laughs> so he's sitting there and he looks up at us. Here's Brother Coleman. Yeah, how you doing there? Called him by name, Joe. Yeah, I remember. Rubbing on his head and stuff like that, you know. Dear God, you know there's got to be disease and stuff. I said, I said, Brother Coleman, do you ever, do you ever, do you ever think about 
You know, he said, you can't think about it, Brother Lindsay. He said, just, you do it and go back to the mission, wash your hands, but hey, you, you can't think about it. You just got to do it out here. You know, I thought, oh God. You know, if the Lord had a lot of men like this, maybe just a few men like this, maybe we could shake the world. The man was absolutely the boldest man I ever saw. I mean, we'd drive down the street. There's a new guy. Hey, you, what's your name? The guy said, oh, John, maybe. I don't know what he said. Uh, you're new here, aren't you? Yeah. Come here, come here. I want to talk to you. Talk to him. Take him down to the mission. The mission was packed out. Couldn't get another body in there. After the service, we'd go down, feed them some soup, day-old bread, and whatever. It's amazing. He was, he was this kind of a guy. He, he was, he was driving down the street one day, and, and here's three guys rolling an old man, and they're robbing him, knocking him down, and, and so they got him there, and they're, they're rolling, and, and he just, he just stopped gets out of his car, starts across the street, and he, it's, it's, it's reaction, it's just impulse. He got to think, what am I going to do when I get over there? Here's three guys, and this old man there. So he said it just hit him. He said, stuck his hand in his pocket like that. All right, you guys, back over there, I guess that wall. Get over there, get over there, get over there, get over there. He got over and leaned up against the wall. He said, all right, old man, he said, get up, get up, get up, get on out of here. Get on out of here, old man. Got up, staggered on down the street. He said, go on. So, all right, you guys. So I don't see in this neighborhood anymore. Beat it. Scram. Right out. Okay. Here they go. He said, he gets back in the car and cold sweat breaks out on him, you know. <laughs> I don't know what you think about that. I mean, I, but I just, I just know that he gets the job done. He's gone on to his reward now. I'm going to tell you there's a legacy in that man's life. He obeyed God. He was willing. We went into old flop houses that were so unbelievably filthy. You cannot believe it if I were to tell you. You don't know. You just can't imagine how bad it really was. One window, even in the coldest weather, one window. It's just rooms, just little cubicles basically with with wire stretched across the top. One in a big room like this with just cubicles and wire stretched across. And a big window open over here. He said that window has to stay open at all times. I went over and looked out there and I saw why. I looked down there's a bunch of mattresses down there. They catch these mattresses on fire. And they just take them and just throw them out in the alley. And go on. Just, just in a hearts. See, but here's a man. Here's the body of Christ. Just submitting himself to the will of the Spirit. Just doing God's work in God's way, in God's time. And he never lacked God's resources. He just did a great, a great work. I remember seeing old Ed Benke, if you've ever been there. Old long, tall Ed Benke was leading Amazing Grace one day. I said, Brother Coleman, I said, who is that leading? He said, that's Ed Benke. He said, I found him out there in the street full of wine sores in his own vomit. Brought him to the mission, fed him, cleaned him up, 
prayed him through, baptized him in Jesus' name. Here's old Ed standing up there singing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I thought, oh God. And here I am. I got my suit on, my tie, and my shine shoe. And I, I wouldn't even think about doing some of that stuff, you see. And I wanted to go off somewhere and just crawl in a hole. I wanted to go off somewhere and repent. Over all the times that I've quenched the Spirit. When I know that's the only way that the work of God is going to really get done. Is letting the Spirit do it. Oh, but we're so hard. We're so hard. How pliable we need to be in the hands of God. The body of Christ. Getting that message from the mind. We've got to do it. But we get stuck in a rut sometimes. And God can't get our attention to turn us around because something happened in a certain way one time. We think it's got to happen that way the rest of the time. And, and you know that that's not the way it is. There's a, there's a lot of, lot of one-time miracles in the Bible, isn't there? God just did something one time. That's all He ever did. He never did it again. We ought to be sensitive to that. And not say, well, God's now, it's never happened that way before. It's never done this way. Which we, can't, we can't allow that to happen. You know, I thought about Peter's shadow. Here's Peter. Now, the Bible doesn't really say that people were healed in Peter's shadow. But maybe something happened because they all wanted to get in it. <laughs> and so the sick were laid in Peter's shadows. He walked by. You know, if that were to happen today to some of us, I wonder if, if we would have a following of the shadow men. Here, here's a willow woman that comes through and presses her way and touches the hem of his garment of Jesus. And you know, if, if that were to happen today, probably never happened again. Never happened before, maybe. Never happened again, maybe. Just like that. But if it were to happen today... Oh, man, we'd have that, 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 that robe right up here nailed, nailed up here. Just come and touch this. Because we just want to, we just want, this work and this is going to always work. It may never work again. Give God a chance to be creative in reaching the world through His body. He knows how it can be done. We don't know. I've tried stuff that I was sure would just absolutely turn the city upside down and it didn't do anything. It was a flop. You've been there too, I imagine, haven't you? <laughs> Every time I'd hit this side of the city over here with evangelism, wouldn't nobody come but half a dozen would come from over here somewhere. I can't figure it out. But I'm the body. I'm not the mind. If we could get that straight... We'd be a whole lot more effective, I'm sure. But some of us actually die at the point of a miracle. Because we think it's not genuine if it doesn't happen just like that again. And when I got the Holy Ghost the way it happened, and we think everybody ought to get the Holy Ghost just like that. <laughs> I was going over to pray with a man one night. And I was going to do my thing, you know. Here's a man. He's a Holy Ghost. I, I know how people get the Holy Ghost. So I'm, I'm going to kneel down there 
And about the time I start to say something to him or do my thing, he just throws his hand in the air. Oh, God! I need a revival in my soul. Boy, that's all the man got out in English. Wham! Holy Ghost talking in tongues. God just showed me I don't know nothing about it. Getting people getting the Holy Ghost. It can happen in a lot of ways. I've seen women. One woman called us one day. She said, I just, I, I, I wanted to tell you, I got the Holy Ghost. I got it. I was in my bathroom. Said, I went in there. I was hungry for God and said, that was a most private place and I could find it. So I went in the bathroom and I kneeled down and said, I got the praying. And said, the telephone rang. I said, I just continued praying. Just ignored the telephone. She said, I got the Holy Ghost talking in tongues. People can get the Holy Ghost anywhere. I've seen people get the Holy Ghost out beside the road. One of my preacher friends, preaching today, got the Holy Ghost. He was driving a road grader. And so he just stopped and got off. He was so hungry for God, he just stopped and got off and got down into the ditch and prayed through in the bar ditch. One man prayed through under an old stump mill. He was working at this stump mill, went on his lunch hour, and then went down under the old stump mill and got the Holy Ghost down there. I tell you, we don't really know how to do God's work. It's the, but the mind knows. The head knows. We're just the body. We're supposed to obey. We're supposed to respond. But boy, some of us just die right there when, 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 it, when this miracle takes place. We become rigid, inflexible. We become doubting. We become dead. We cannot live in the present anymore. We become insensitive to what will work now. We need to know what will work now, not what worked 40 years ago or 10 years ago or last week. But what the Spirit wants now. What the Spirit wills in this service. What the Spirit wills this week in these meetings. I had an old car that was uh, giving me some problems, transmission problems. And it was an old Chrysler car that had a, had a fluid drive in it. You ever have one of those? This old fluid drive car, I, I think I told about this in the camp meeting. But the transmission, it wouldn't... When I'd, when I'd get up a little speed and up on the accelerator, it's supposed to shift gears. But it wouldn't shift. And so here I was driving, probably redlining if we had a tachometer on there. I mean, down the road. I was evangelizing, trying to get the work of God done, you know. And I thought, and here I'm going, and the car is just, I'm, I'm going to throw a rod. It's going to cost 80 bucks to get it fixed, the man said, and I don't have 80 bucks. And so I just pulled over to the side of the road, and I said, God, here I am out here preaching and having healing services and having healing lines and seeing miracles take place. And bodies are a whole lot more intricate than this car. And I've got to have this car, Lord, to, work, to do the work. I've got to have the... I, I, pow! I laid hands on that dashboard and prayed for it. Pulled it down in gear. Took off. Let up on it. Turchunk. And I went on down the road shouting happy. But you know what? God healed that car that day. I know you. I mean, I never had another minute's trouble out of it. But he never did it again. I've had lots of problems with cars since then. 
but God never has healed another car for me. <laughs> God can do things. Let's let Him be big enough to be God and do something one time. You know, instead of getting up and saying, Alright now folks, we're going to have... This, this Sunday is going to be car healing day. I want you to bring all your sick cars here. To have everybody bring sick cars and put them out here. Uh, no, better not do that. <laughs> no, better not do that. <clears throat> you remember that serpent that they put up out there in the wilderness? Snakes were biting, folks. Instructions came. Make a brazen serpent, put it up. People should look toward it. When they did, they were healed. Whoa! Everybody, just look up this way. They looked and they were healed. Fantastic. So we don't hear much about it for a long time. And then, later on, years later, here comes a man going to have revival in Israel. Here comes a man going to shake some things up. Here's, here's a man going to do some things different. And he, and he finds out, and one of the things he does is that he goes in and sees this brazen serpent still around. Not only still around, but in the temple and worshipped. For unto that day, the Bible said, they did burn incense to it. They brought that snake along with them and put it up in there and burned incense to it. Oh, snake. You know, it never did do anything again uh, anymore. Never. But they worshipped it. It was just something they kept around. Hey, leave it alone. It was for the wilderness. It wasn't for today. And so this man, to have revival, the Bible said, he break it in pieces. He removed the high places, first of all. Then he break down the images. And then he cut down the groves. And then he break in pieces the brazen serpent. For unto that day they did burn incense unto it. God never meant for it to be worshipped. He never meant for them to burn incense to it. He never meant for it to be something in the temple. It was for the wilderness out there. It was a one-time miracle. Let it be. Let's move on. God did something that way one time, fine. Okay? Accept that. He may want to do it just a little bit differently somewhere down the road. Let's be sensitive as the body of Christ to the mind of God to let Him do that. I believe the needles, if, 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 if wires were hooked up to the mind of God, I believe now in the end time facing a new millennium that there were needles of on the machines would be going wild. But is the body lying like David? Still on the bed. Unmoved. Unresponsive. Not reaching, not doing, not speaking, not going, not telling, not active. I believe the mind of God is saying... Revival, deliverance, outpouring, in-gathering. I believe the mind of God is saying growth and progress and evangelism. And we're stuck back under some of us way back there in a rut. Waiting on God to do something just like He did at another time. Another point in history somewhere. The only way 
we're going to accomplish what needs to be done in our day is to be the body of Christ that is responsive to the mind, to the message from the mind that comes to the body. To do the work and the will of God. We're not going to get it done any other way. We're not going to reach our cities. We don't know how to reach our cities. He said the Spirit and the bride say come. Not just the bride, but the Spirit and the bride. In this end time, there's going to be a, a coordination between the body and the mind if we're going to get the work of God done. The Spirit and the bride say come. We don't know. We don't know. Paul, Paul, here, here they're going to go over. They see this vision and they're going to go over to Philippi. And they go down to Philippi and they find a, a group of women there. Down by the river. Boy, they just fall into their hands like overripe fruit. They just start having services in one of the ladies' homes. And man, this, this is going to be there's a revival city. Well, you, this, is, this is good. Boy, look here. All of a sudden, everything turned. Wow. Folks didn't like it, them being there. And so they brought them and beat them and put them in prison. And they thought they were going to have revival. They thought when they got down there to the river and preached and had this result, this was, this was it. Boy, this is going to be it. Woo! We'll just come here and preach and, 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 and we'll baptize all these folks and start a church here and we'll move on maybe or whatever. Mm-mm. No. They got in prison and, and Silas says, <clears throat> Hey, Paul. Tell me about that vision one more time. Like a used car you bought one time, you know, you want to go back to that salesman. Tell me about this car one more time. <laughs> uh, we're going to have revival. Yeah. Oh, we are, huh? Yeah. I'm hurting. You hurting, Paul? Yeah. Hey, this don't feel like revival to me. Oh, it's all right. Hey, let's, let's pray. All right. Hey, let's sing a little bit. They got to singing. They got to praying. And things got to happening. Things got to shaking. Dust got to rising. <laughs> Doors fell open. Stocks came open. and They were free. Here they rushed in. And, and here this guy was about to kill himself. They said, wait a minute, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. We had not gone anywhere. And they took him, baptized him and all of his family. See, that was the kind of revival God wanted to give. But they didn't know how. They didn't. They were just... They had to be the body. They had to be led. They had to be guided. They had to be directed. We don't know. We're not the mind. Oh, we, that's hard for us to get in our head sometimes. I've been to Maxwell's seminar. I know how to get this done. Baloney. We don't, any of us know how to get it done. We better listen to God. We better find out what God wants. We better be the body of Christ, sensitive and responsive to the mind of God. Hmm. That man I thought about a while ago was an amazing thing. That man that got the Holy Ghost so easy. He was in Racine, Wisconsin. We went there for uh, Brother Cisco was uh, pastoring there, 
And so we went there for a revival seminar. Okay, we're going to talk about revival. We talked about revival two or three days. Mostly ministers, some saints at night, and what have you. And so, just prior to this, Brother Cisco and all the church, they were praying and they were fasting. And so they had three days of fasting all around the clock. So it was sanctuary kind of like this. Had swinging doors back there like that. And so they had just a dim light on. And they were praying. Brother Cisco was there about 11 o'clock one night. Two blocks away from the church, here's a man and his wife getting ready for bed. And he says, you know, I feel kind of funny. He says, I feel like I ought to go around there to that Bible Tabernacle Church. That man been Catholic all of his life. They've both been Catholic. She said, what? She said, hi. She said, it's 11 o'clock. I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, the church. And I mean, the... he says, I don't know. There's just something telling me to go around there to the church. There's nobody there. John, whatever his name was. I don't remember. It's crazy. It's 11 o'clock. I'm going. She said, okay. So he goes. He don't know. He walks over two blocks. Pulls on the door. It's open. Hmm. He walks into the vestibule. Nobody there. Dim light in the sanctuary here. Uh, he don't know what to do. He knocks on the doors. Brother Cisco hears him knocking. Brother Cisco goes to the door. Said, "May I help you?" Man said, "I don't know why I'm here." He said, "I just felt like coming." Brother Cisco said, "I think I know. Come on in." And they sat down, and he talked to him. He opened the scriptures to him. It was like up two or three o'clock. The man said, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. Brother Cisco said, you got to repent. So they got down and prayed. The man repented. Brother Cisco baptized him in Jesus' name. man goes home three o'clock in the morning. His wife said, where in the world? What in the world? And here he said, I got baptized in Jesus' name. You what? So that was like... That was like on Tuesday night, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, this seminar, and, and, and I stayed over and preached the weekend. And this man, all he heard, it wasn't evangelistic services, he came to the service. Brother Cisco said, see that man back there, sitting back there on the house, he told me the story. So, that night I preached, gave the altar call, I saw the man go over against the wall, just come down the wall, knelt at the far end of the altar down there. Microphone, Brother Cisco, and I went over. I'm going to pray him through. Say, huh? <laughs> I go over. Oh, God, I need a revival in my soul. That's all he said. He had the Holy Ghost. That's all he heard. That's all he knew. Two or three days, nights. Revival. He didn't know anything about hallelujah, glory to God, Jesus, 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 Jesus. He didn't understand that. No, he didn't know he just said, oh God. And God knew what he meant, see? God read him just right. Gave him the Holy Ghost. Oh, we don't know how to get it done, do we? Oh, Lord. Paul and Silas didn't know how to have it. I, in Natchitoches, Louisiana, a man and his wife, friends of mine, going to start a, revive, uh, a church there. So they put up a tent. They get this tent. They put up a tent. And she plays a guitar, okay? Sister H, she played this guitar, and she sang, and she sung loud, played guitar loud. And they had service. They was beating tambourines and, and working over, you know, just getting, getting it done, just worshiping God. Neighbors fussing about it. Call the law. 
<clears throat> law comes over and says, Preacher, I have to make these folks be quiet. Brother Ace said, You make them be quiet. Well, we're going to, you know, the neighbors are fussing here. You're going to have to shut this down or, or you know, be quiet or, you know, we're going to have to. said, well, hey, we're just here worshiping God, praising the Lord, having revival, and, and that's, that's the way it is. I said, all right, I was warning you. So, man, of course, they didn't shut nothing down. Here they go. They're working. And, and Noah's and the neighbors, here come the police. You see, they had in their minds, we're going to put up this tent. We'll come out here and we'll play and sing gospel songs and, and, and folk preach a little bit. And folks will come to the altar. We'll pray them through. We'll start a church and we'll get a building. We'll, we'll go. Hey, you know, sometimes we've got to figure it out in our minds, don't we? Police come. All right. Shutting this thing down. Right now. You two come with me, brother and sister Aids. You two come with me. Took them to jail. Locked them up into jail. But what they didn't know was that she was pregnant. And when that little bit of news got out that the police had arrested a pregnant woman and put her in jail for playing and singing gospel music over there under a tent somewhere, and this was Louisiana, They'd hit the press, the newspaper got a hold of it. I mean, a hue and cry arose against the police. And, against, and of course, Sister Bunch Sister Eight's down there in jail. They already had things stirred up. It's kind of like Paul and Silas. I mean, Sister Eight, she was, she was, she was really into it. And uh, they were ready for them to leave the jail. They, well, I don't, I don't, <laughs> but they were just in a couple of days. They said, why don't y'all just go ahead and leave? You get on out. And so they went back to the tent, back to the revival. And guess what? Man, they couldn't have bought. They couldn't have paid for that kind of publicity. It was all, Everybody wanted to come and see that pregnant woman play that guitar and sing and hear the, hear the music and, and, and see what's going on down at the tent revival. And they had revival and the church in Natchitoches, Louisiana started just like that. Don't know how, we don't know how to get it done, do we? But God knows how to work it around just right. <laughs> Let's praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You know how. You're the mind, oh God. We're just the body. Help us to be sensitive to that, to understand that, and move by your Spirit. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand together. My Lord, my Lord, we don't know how to have revival. God, we want revival. We want souls, God. We want to see our altars filled. We want to see things happening. We want to see a move of the Spirit. We want to see folks falling on their faces. We want to see backsliders coming to God. But we don't know how, God, to get it all done. Help us, Lord. Let the mind of God send a message to this body. And let it be responsive. The answer is coordination. 
They went everywhere preaching the gospel. The Lord working with them. Confirming the word with signs following. See the coordination between the mind and the body? Otherwise we're just stumbling around. Or lying prostrate. We're just there. I don't want to just be there. I don't want to just be taking up space. I don't want to just be drawing my breath and my salary. I want to be doing something for God in this end time. I want to see things happening, don't you? I want to see the the, the, the sense of God stirred. I want to see the church moving out. I want to see them responsive to the Holy Ghost. Seeing miracles, one-time miracles. And God, you don't have to do it that way every time in the future from now on. Oh, let's let God be God. David's li- David Lively's wife was faithful to him for a long, long time. Years went by. She visited him there regularly. But the time came when she said, This is not the man I married. This is this is not David anymore. There's nothing there. And she divorced him and married another man. I thought about that. I said, God... Don't divorce us. Don't cut us off. Don't walk away from us. Don't walk out of the room one day and say, That's the last time I'll be visiting you. Give us another chance. We've been insensitive at times and we've quenched the Spirit. We haven't done the right thing at the right time. We haven't been as sensitive as we ought to be. But God, keep working with us. Don't cut us off. Don't walk out and say, that's the last time. God, be patient with us. We want to do it. We want to do the right thing. We want to be the body of Christ. We want to be sensitive. We want to do the will of God. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, don't divorce us. God, look at our hands. They're raised right now. Everybody in this room, everybody, let's lift our hands to God. God, we want to be responsive. Let the message from the mind reach the body. Don't let there be any short-circuiting. God, don't let something stand in the way. Don't let unbelief. God, I don't want to miss the will of God. I'm stuck in a rut somewhere and I think it's got to be done just this way or just that way. Help me to be flexible, Lord. Oh, praise so we can God. get your work done. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's feel after the Lord. Let's ask God to show us individually what He would have us, how He would have us to operate. God may speak to you about a certain thing in your town, in your city, in your church, in your home, in your life. That it wouldn't be that.
done for nobody else but you. How can you respond? How can you do the will of God? How can you hook up with the mind of God? feel after you tonight, Lord. My God, my God, my God. Hallelujah. What do you feel like tonight? What do you feel like doing? What do you feel like saying to God? What do you feel like acknowledging to the Lord? Do you feel like telling God something that you needed to tell Him? Do you feel like saying, God, I just don't know how to get it done. I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to put that in your hands. God to put in His hands. God will show you just what you need to give up. That you're trying to do. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We feel after you, Lord. Let's sing it together. that you love, that you feel to pray with. I want you to pray for them and have them pray for you that as the body of Christ, we would be more sensitive than ever before, that we would know the mind of God, that we would be guided into revival by the Holy Ghost and not by our own ingenuity. It won't work, not by might, not by power. Why don't you just move up close to somebody and pray for them? Another brother, another sister. Maybe a pastor's wife to pastor's wife. Maybe a preacher to preacher. Amen. Not, not your wife. Move to somebody else. Move to another preacher, pastor. And pray for them and have them pray for you. That the message would come through loud and clear. That the Holy Ghost would work through the body of Or somebody. Somebody's been struggling with this. Somebody, somebody.
somebody needs to say you're praying right now. Oh, my spirit, oh, forever, ever. Oh, my Lord. 